Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Well, good morning again, everybody. We're continuing the series on the year of the Bible, and so we're going to be hitting these 50 major events throughout the year. And it's been a real, a real joy as we've leaned into this. But today I, I want to just, I, I want to cover a few things that, that I hope are going to be life-giving to you. And I just want to begin by asking you this question today. It's a very simple question, but I want you to think about it. Does God have more for you? Does he have more for you? If you answer the question, yes, then Maybe you're, it's, a, it's a new idea that you can come in expectance to God and he could meet you in a fresh new way. But here's the question. Most of us don't understand that actually God does have more for you. And so we've been on a journey. We've been out of at Garden of Eden. We've, we've, there's been Cain and Abel. We've seen all kinds of stuff that has happened throughout the Bible, some strange stories, some interesting things. But we know that the God of the Bible is a God who has a purpose, and he's moving his story along. And really the story has everything to do with his son, Jesus, who came to redeem us and save us. But we are, we are pointing out these things in Scripture that are really life-giving to us. And so... I just want to remind you that throughout the scriptures, during the old covenant, there were, there were feasts that God would tell them, I want you to stop and I want you to remember. So he told his people who were the, the line of Abraham, he says, I want you to stop and remember when I did this. I want you to stop and remember when I did this. And, and I want you to, to think about it. I want you to remember and those three major feasts are the Feast of Passover that we've looked at briefly as they came out of Egypt, out of slavery. The second one is, is the, the Feast of Pentecost, which we're talking about today. And the third one is the Feast of Tabernacles, which really is about the return of Christ ultimately. But today, I want you to understand that these three feasts corresponded with the journey God took the children of Israel on for the purpose of bringing forth his son, Jesus, through them. And so the first was remembering when they were slaves in Egypt. And remember the story, remember the plagues, remember the, the description of how horrific it was as God brought judgment on Egypt, which then ultimately the last judgment was death. Unless they had placed the blood of a lamb on the doorposts of their homes. And if they did, then the spirit of death would come and pass over. Everybody say Passover. And so when Jesus fulfilled that Passover lamb, when he himself bore the sin, the death that we all deserved upon himself, he shed his own blood. And today we apply that blood or he's applied that blood to the doorpost of our hearts. And we can now run into the presence of God. We are children with God. We no longer are subject to, to, to spiritual death and we are saved because the lamb of God came and now we are in relationship with God. So Jesus fulfilled the lamb of God or fulfilled the lamb or the Passover lamb. And so we, we remember that. We look back to that. But today is one that many people kind of miss. Though they are told to stop and remember these things every year, They're, they were told stop and remember the Passover. And so there, was the, there were these rituals that they would do and they would remember it. They would remember when the death 
passed through Egypt. They remembered when it passed over their home. They remember though that was the night that they were set free from slavery. When you gave your life to Jesus, immediately you were set free from slavery. You were no longer bound to sin. You actually were brought from, a, from a being enslaved to sin to now you were brought into his kingdom of wonderful light and freedom and therefore where the spirit of the Lord is, which is in you, there is what? There is freedom. So now you're free. So it's good news. Everybody say, that's good news. That's good news. So they were to remember that. The second one today, I'm, I'm going to cover very quickly. I know you don't think I'll be able to, but I will. I'll tell you right now. So they come out of Egypt. They're on their way. They step into the desert. After their deliverance from Egypt, Moses is leading the people out of Egypt to the promised land. They cross through the Red Sea and they find, they find themselves at the base of a mountain. This is the same mountain that God called Moses back in Exodus chapter 3. We're now going to be in Exodus 19. Same mountain. God called Moses in Exodus 3. Say, go back and get my people and take them out of slavery. And Moses says, you're crazy. I don't want to do that. And God says, no, but I want you to do that. I, I, I can't talk. I can't speak. I don't know. He said, well, you're talking to me now. What's the problem? He said, no, I want you to go back. I want you to do this. Well, what do I do when I get there? Listen, just get your butt back there. Like, like, that's what I told you to do. And so Moses finally goes back. But this is what happened at that mountain. This is something very interesting. When God calls Moses, he says, Moses, listen, I know you're freaked out. But this, this is going to be a sign to you. This mountain, this place you're standing on. Exodus 3.12, it's not on the screens. He says, I will be with you, Moses, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. So Moses, if you're doubting that this is, it's actually my plan, what's going on, you're going to come back to this place. And once you come back here, you're going to be like, oh, it was you, God. But he says, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, and that's where we are today in this journey, you will worship God on this mountain. So Moses is back at the place of his calling in Exodus 19. He's back at Mount Sinai. And so we read today, and I'm going to move quickly through this. We read exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt. They arrived in the wilderness of Sinai. After breaking camp at Rephidim, or Rephidim they came to the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you as eagles or you on eagles wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my commandments, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples of the earth. For all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give the people of Israel. So something's happening here. They have left Egypt. They have left under this, it, the, the, it passed over and they're, they're moving their way to this big mountain. And, and here they are. And God says, I want you to tell my people, this is what I have for them. I'm going to make them a nation, a kingdom, a group of people. They're different. I'm going to preserve them. They're going to be a blessing to the nations. They don't know it's through Christ, but God's going to preserve them. And so God continues though, because then he begins to describe some things that feel a little, a, a little iffy. Behold, he says, 
I'm coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak to you and may also believe you forever. And here they're camped at the base of Mount Sinai. So we continue verse 16. They've been there for three days and says on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightnings and thick cloud on the mountains and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. This was a, a very, very significant moment. This was a moment that there's loud sounds. There's a, there's a, a moment of like something's going on on the mountain. Verse 17, then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. And the Lord came down to Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. Now there's only Moses is interacting with God here. This is a very significant moment, but most people think, yeah, this is Ten Commandments, it's good. No, 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 hang on, hang on. It's much more. And so Moses goes on up. Exodus 20, verse two through 18 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Out of the house of slavery, you shall, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Someone say jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Most people stop there. Side note, most people stop there. And a person today who is in Christ is like, well, I guess I'm just, I'm receiving something because my grandpappy sinned because they forget the next verse. But I will show steadfast love to thousands or thousand generations is, a, is the translation of those who love me and keep my commandments. Amen? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all the work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor, verse 12, your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord has given you, the Lord God's given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you, can, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not cover, covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of light and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off. So what's going on here? We have to understand that these people in the book of Exodus, have, they, they have been slaves for 400 years. 
They didn't know what it meant to be God's people. They didn't know how to think for themselves. They didn't know. They didn't know what, what, what they had to do. They didn't know how they were to live their lives. And they didn't know how to, how to be so that they wouldn't be seduced by the other gods of the world. And so God set them apart. And he gave them what's called the law. And so he, he gave them the law to protect them, to set them apart, to make them different, to preserve them from the, from the, from the, other, the, the other gods of the other nations that he set apart. This is my people. I'm, gonna, I'm going to bless and inherit all the nations back to me through these people. But they were free though, these folks, and they were walking out their, their, their freedom, but they weren't free in their minds. They still had a slavery mindset. Same way for many of us, we get saved, but then we live as, as a, in, our, in our old slavery, the shadows of what used to be. We picked up patterns that we still live them out today. And, but here's the truth that Jesus came to set you free, not just from actual slavery, but your mind from slavery. Amen. But God was shaping these people. And this is an event that became what we know as the giving of the law. They were set apart for God's purposes. It's the giving of the 10 commandments. It's at the base of this mountain that God tells Israel. Now, this is where I want to lean in for the next few moments. God tells Israel at the base of this mountain, what I'm doing today, what's happening right here on this mountain, the law that you're getting, when you reach the promised land that I told your forefather Abraham. I want you to remember this. I also want you to remember Passover. I want you to do that, but I want you to remember this event right here. And this is an event you're to celebrate every year. And it's the feast or the celebration of Pentecost when the giving of the law came. Now, what we need to understand, again, this is, there are types and shadows as we read through the Old Testament. There are types and shadows under the Old Covenant. Types and shadows that are pointing to a greater reality. So, we saw in Genesis 3, after the fall of Adam and Eve, a, a prophecy comes forth from God. He says that from the seed of the woman, that seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. So in other words, something's happening here. God's working a plan to bring forth freedom for the world. Now those people rebel and then God says, listen, I'm, I wanna try to start over again. And so he starts with Noah, but God's working a plan. Then the Tower of Babel, the Tower of Babel, all, all the people of, of the earth say, God, we don't really want you. We kind of want to do our own thing. And so God says, okay, I'll give you what you want. So he disinherited the nations. But then the next, he said, I'm calling for myself a portion, a people. So that through that people, I'm going to give them their own land. I'm going to give them their own, I'm going to mark them for the purpose is I'm going to circle back around and I'm going to get all the nations back into my fold as my family because now they, are, they have been seduced under the other gods, the other fallen beings, the other fallen angelic beings, and I'm going to make a way. So this is part of the way. So God comes, then he comes to Passover. So they're in, G in Egypt in slavery. They're in slavery, which represents all of us who have fallen short of the glory of God. Paul says that we are slaves to sin before Christ represents, it's a picture, their slavery in Egypt is a picture of our slavery. 
But we can see it now looking back. Then God sets them free with the Passover lamb, which I've already talked about, which is pointing to a greater Passover lamb, which is Jesus. Because the, the, the new covenant points back to all these things. Now we come to Pentecost. And so what is Pentecost? What Pentecost means is 50. Everybody say 50. People freaked out by this word because they got some image of their mind of somebody bucking and jerking and handling snakes and stuff like that. But the reality is this Pentecost means 50. Pente means five. Cost means 10th, 50. Ooh, it's crazy. But why 50? When they, when they were to get to the promised land, they were to celebrate Pentecost 50 days after Passover. How the timing of them leaving Egypt and coming to the base of Mount Sinai, there is, it is very, very likely, it's, it's into, the, it's, it's into the, 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 the third month, which would have been about 50 days that they had from they left when the plague started to then when they left. They're pro, they were probably right at 50 days. So when they get to the promised land, they're to, they celebrate Passover and then they celebrate 50 days later, Pentecost. It just means 50. And so we need to understand this is pointing to a greater reality that's coming. And I want you to catch it for just for a moment. Pentecost, it's, it's, listen, for today, it's not defined by what other people say or, or do or their experience. It's defined by what the scripture says. And I want you to hear this today. Pentecost is 50 days or seven weeks after Passover. And God said, I want you to remember this feast. So this feast... Remembered when the law came. Remembers Mount Sinai. They go through, they read the portions of scripture. And so this is what happened on the mountain under the old covenant when the law was given. When they became a nation. As we just read, a cloud descended with a loud noise and fire. We saw that. But who could, who was the only one who could go in the, up, up there the mountain? Moses could. Everybody else is like, uh-uh, we, we're going to stand far off. We're good. Go ahead, Moses. Have a great time. But God's power, God's presence was there, but Moses only accessed. God also then wrote the law or his law on the tablets of stone. Hey, do this. Follow this. They didn't know how to live. Okay, well, don't, don't do this and, and do this and this will help you. Also, what, what happened is, is Moses came down. The people of Israel, they thought, man, this God is, 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 we need to do something to worship and we need to do something maybe to show that he is, he, we want to, we, we, so let's make something. Some scholars believe they, they made this golden calf at the base of the mountain, pointing back to a, to a God in Egypt. I believe that actually what they made was they made some type of sculpture that was supposed to represent Yahweh that was on the mountain. I'm just thinking you can't be that dumb to actually do all of that and get there and be like, let's, I, I wanna, I wanna worship a God back in Egypt when this God's been leading you through with a pillar of fire and pillar of cloud and split, split the Red Sea. Like, okay, let's make something because that's what they thought they were supposed to do. So they make this, this image and God burns with anger, it says. One, because no image can represent Yahweh and the God of the universe, never gonna happen. Two, they were to be the representation of God on the earth as bearing his image. So judgment comes. There's some stuff going on, judgment comes. The, the ground opens up and swallows 3,000 people that day. They died. 
It's a wonderful day. You're seeing these pictures of the wrath of God, the judgment, and oh, but God's desire to make a people. And then what also happened on that day that God established the nation of Israel that day. They made a covenant that day with God. God made a covenant with them. We will obey. Now, as you look at this, you go, okay, Pentecost. Here's the question. And I'm, I'm, I'm moving quick here. So just stay with me. Have some questions. Email me. Love to answer you. The Pentecost is the old covenant. This is what Pentecost was. But remember, God's, God's moving to something. This was not a stopping point. This was a, a picture. This was something that preserved God's people. So here's the question. How did Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, as the, as the Passover lamb, as the son of God, how did he fulfill Pentecost? How was Pentecost fulfilled in the Christian life under the new covenant? Now, as you remember, the night of Passover, Jesus was, was, he was uh, with his disciples. He, he, they're doing the Passover meal. And he says, this cup is the blood, my blood, of the what? New covenant. So this is no longer about what happened. This is about, this was pointing to something here, now. So Jesus is saying, everything that you've been remembering, it was 1,400 years up to this point from when they came out of Egypt to where Jesus was. Everything you've been remembering has been actually about me, disciples. It's been about me. And I'm going to be fulfilling the Passover lamb. And we know that Jesus fulfilled that. But Jesus died at Passover. He was the lamb slain at Passover. Jesus rose from the dead. And then he tells his disciples, hey, listen, I, need, I want to tell you something. You need to wait. You need to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. Well, they understood this language. Interesting, it was 50 days from Passover. And they find themselves in an upper room. I, 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 want, to, I want to read to you out of Acts chapter two. And I think on the notes you can jump ahead and then I'm gonna jump back. But on Acts chapter two, starting in verse one, I want you to see this. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So now they're at Pentecost. This is 50 days after Jesus died on Passover. Jesus now has taught them. He's already ascended to heaven and now they're waiting. I want you to think just for a moment. I want to connect these dots for you. How did Jesus fulfill this? How was this fulfilled under the new covenant that you and I are under today? Well, you have the Holy Spirit descended with a loud sound and fire. It comes down. I don't know what it sounded like, but it sounded like that. Now remember, in the old covenant, at the giving of the law, the law was written on stone tablets. But what we know is that when the Holy Spirit was poured out, God wrote his law 
on our hearts that we would be able to discern with him. He gave us the spirit to know all truth. He gave us his word and now the spirit to be led of that spirit. Now remember at the Mount Sinai, 3,000 people died, swallowed them up. But now under the new covenant, after Peter is filled with the spirit, he goes to the, to the steps of the temple and he begins to preach the most incredible message he's ever preached. Just about a, about a month later, Peter was denying even knowing Jesus. After this moment, he is filled with the spirit that God's law is written on his heart and he walks down and he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what happens on those steps, the scripture says, not 3,000 people died, it actually says that 3,000 people were saved is what the scripture says. Now, I, I want you to understand something. And here's, here's a really quick connection, it's really cool. Out of the Hebrew, when it says that God spoke, remember we read that God spoke under the thunderous cloud, the sound of thunder. Well, this is a Hebrew word that actually can mean he spoke with many voices. Spoke with many voices. We see the Tower of Babel, when, when all of them were scattered to the nations, there was 70 nations represented there. And so God spoke with many voices, many rabbis, even not new covenant rabbis, and rabbis believe that that voice that God spoke on Mount Sinai was, was the language of 70, of the 70 nations that were, that did not know God. And so that thunder went out. It, it rippled across the world because God was putting the gods of this other world on notice. I'm coming after the people that you've deceived. I'm working a plan. So when we, get, when we quickly get back to Pentecost and Acts, you guys still with me? All right, all right, great. We get back there. It says that on that day when they spoke with other tongues, it says that every nation on the earth was represented. Why, why were they there? Well, I'll tell you why. It was the feast of Pentecost. So the Jews from all the nations came to Jerusalem to worship and celebrate the feast of Passover. Many times they come at Passover, they wait till Pentecost. So they, they did all of this. And there the gospel was preached and the, that's why people were like, hey, wait, that's my language. And what are you doing speaking my language? What's happening here? And what was happening at that moment is that the gospel was preached to all the nations of the earth. 70 nations would have been represented since that is true. There were 70 at the time. And that, that moment that then the gospel was then proclaimed to those 70 nations, those Jews then after after the feast would go back to their nations and they would begin preaching what they heard in their own language and it begin it's this beautiful cycle of what God is doing because he wants the nations of the world to come back to him but here we have the fulfillment of Pentecost and we know at Mount Sinai the nation was established at, at under the old covenant now at Pentecost we have this the church of Jesus Christ is established and the gospel went to all the nations and that's why you and I are here So here's what we don't get. What happened? What is the spirit thing? What is this Pentecost thing? What, what changed the, the heart of Peter into now bold as a lion? What happened in these, in these disciples that they, they would go from there and preach the gospel and all of them give their lives for the sake of it? 
What was given to the church to, to cause us to stand out and be different among the world? And that was what was given was the deposit of the Holy Spirit. Many of us understand the Passover land. We think, yes, I like that. I'm forgiven. Thank God we need it. Most of us don't understand this. That you have been given with your salvation, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And there is, there is a reality of interacting with that Spirit, walking with that Spirit that gives us this supernatural happenings. We then see the disciples go and they're praying for the sick and they're casting out demons and they're taking authority over, over, over demonic powers. They're, they're, open, they're healing blind eyes. They're, God is giving them gifts. They have words of wisdom and discernment. Paul writes about this in Corinthians. And so many people are so confused and we live out of the beautiful reality of our salvation, but we don't walk in the beautiful power of our infilling presence of the Holy Spirit living in us. And I want us to understand this today. God wants the feast of Pentecost fulfilled in every one of you. You can't live this life without the Spirit of God. You can't discern what is truth and not truth without the Spirit of God. You can go to heaven, yes, but, but God wants you to live victorious on this earth through the Spirit of God. He wants to anoint you. He wants you to walk in authority. He wants you to now understand your place as kingdom dwellers and kingdom expenders on the earth. Now, the Bible says that people who were watching when all of this was happening when it was fulfilled. This is the scripture. It says, it says, amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? That's a very important question. And this is where I want to land today. Have you asked the question, whatever then could this mean for me? The scripture speaks all throughout itself. It says the Holy Spirit teaches and counsels you on what to do. Are you facing a decision? Guess what? You've got a helper with you. Also, the Holy Spirit makes you aware of sin. Oh, I'm aware. Okay, I need to respond, Lord. Also, it says that the Spirit, in 1 Corinthians 3.16, it's with you in every situation. You are never alone. You need to know the confidence of that. No matter what you face, you're never alone. Also, the Scripture said that the Spirit will give you utterance on what to say when you don't know what to say. Most of us are unaware of that. The Spirit gives illumination of the Scriptures. The Spirit reveals the unknown thoughts of God to you. The Spirit gives you gifts to use, gives you wisdom, guides you in truth for today and shows you what is to come is what John 16 says. Strengthens you in your human weakness is what Romans 8 says. Guarantees you eternal life through righteousness is what Romans 8 says. Enables you to produce good fruit. That's what Galatians 5 says. It says out of John 16, he will guide you in all truth. He will declare to you the things that are to come. And this is the truth about the Spirit. It's not now, it's not just Moses walking into the presence of God with power. This is not just a select few. 
It is the children of God now today have received the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And he wants to move through us to one another and to serve a dying world. And we've been given gifts now, according to 1 Corinthians 12. The gifts of the Spirit are God's power moving through God's people for the purpose of edifying the body, to be a witness, to demonstrate to those who know God and don't know God of God's love to them. And many people have never experienced the unction or the fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit because we don't know it's available. We think it's for somebody else. We think it's for the Moses to go up the mountain. No, and God says to you today, my friends, this is his heart to you. He's saying, daughter, son, what you are desiring and what you feel and what you feel lacking, it is I want you to be aware that I've deposited something in you that is available to you and I want you to access it through your faith and what I've already done. That's what I sense God wants for us, that his spirit is at work among us. What happens at some point, we talk about some experience we had 20 years ago. I hear it here in our church. Hey, remember, remember that one time down at 9th and Nakoma? I'm like, I actually wasn't born. Sorry, I don't know. What happens is we experience something and then we slip back into apathy and we slip back into, we, we're not tender towards God like we used to be. We're not tender towards one another. We slip back into performance and, and our image and how whatever we have to be, we, we slip back into the humility of being hungry for God and just, you know what, I just need God. I need him, to, I want him to move through my life and we know, but I've been walking with God. I need to, I need to look good and I got to put the bow tie on my kid and my, and my over here and make sure my family's falling apart, but by golly, we look good. In those moments, we need the power of the Holy Spirit and we've traded what we look like on the outside for what God really wants to do on the inside. But why do we slip back? I'll tell you, it's because we, we don't continually choose to give the Holy Spirit full control of our lives. Full control. The Holy Spirit has been given to you as a gift to help you to assist you, to lead you, to guide you, to help you raise children, to help you make decisions about where you're gonna work, to help you understand when you face a difficulty, you need a word of wisdom. I was just thinking, just, I, I'll just share with you briefly. Holy Spirit has spoken to me in dreams. That's one of the reasons why I'm here, because he spoke to me in a dream. He's given me pictures when I've, when I've been praying for somebody that I shared with them that didn't make any sense to me, but it connected the dots for them. God's given me words that have protected other people. I was a youth pastor and, and right before service was starting, the Lord, I'm telling you, he was speaking to me. He, there was, I was unsettled. He says, hey, and I'm telling you, I had this thought, go out in the parking lot, go out in the parking lot, go out in the parking lot, go out in the parking lot. So I'm like, Okay, so I went out in the parking lot and there was, you 
gotta love teenagers. There was a, a, a Bronco with a large rope attached to a shopping cart. And this kid was sitting in the shopping cart, getting ready to be like, all right, let's go. And, and the Lord was like, you stop them. I believe the Lord saved that kid's life. But the Holy Spirit wants to move in our lives. I prayed with a young man who was wanting more of God. And right when I laid my hands on him to pray, the Holy Spirit says, tell him that smoking weed does not help him connect with God more. So I just said it and he goes, I've been prompted in moments of the night to go into my kid's room and minister to them. As I walked in, they needed ministering to me. I've received the peace of the Holy Spirit when I was overwhelmed, but I didn't know what to do. But like a shaft of light, I know that's what God's saying. On one occasion, I was at a service that the Spirit had given me a word for a young woman who had been sexually assaulted and the word was I want you to tell her that it wasn't your fault God loves you and he wants to heal you he sees you and he brought me here to tell you that I didn't know anything but the spirit knew the spirit knew so I shared it with her and she wept and her face went from shame and condemned it was the most beautiful face she received deliverance from the lie of the devil and healing over her life through the Holy Spirit. I've received words of direction and solutions. I've received the word from the Lord when everyone else says, make a decision, make a decision, make a decision. The Holy Spirit's like, nope, wait. Why? Well, the Bible says it's my, he's my helper. He's your helper. It's the power in us to serve others and to demonstrate to the world that our God is not dead, he is alive. Galatians 5 says, since we live by the spirit, we also keep in step with the spirit. Well, okay, how do we do that? This is a daily moment by moment walking with the spirit. And how we do it is we surrender control of our whole lives to the Spirit. We surrender. Have you done that? You surrender your work. You surrender your career. You surrender your family. You surrender your marriage. You surrender your mornings and your evenings, your weekends, your church, your preference. And you say, Lord, I put it all into your hands. The key of living by the Spirit is this. Keeping in step with the Spirit is this. We must continually get back to giving God everything in our lives and allow Him to do with them what He wants. That is what living by the Spirit means. And the moment that you do that, I'm telling you right now, you will be delivered from anxiety. I'm telling you right now, you will be set free because it's not about you. It's about Him. And you find peace and rest in that. And all of a sudden this, oh, this weight of like, I got to know what to do and do here. It's released because you trust the spirit. John 5, 19 says, Jesus said to them, I, I tell you the truth. I can do nothing on my own accord, but only what he sees the father do. For whatever the father does, the son does also.
If that's Jesus saying that, how much for us? Listen, friends, the only thing that really matters in the end is, is this question. Actually, it's not a question, it's a statement. The only thing that matters in the end is what God was doing. That's the only thing that's going to last. And so, my friends, it's time to give those things back over to the Lord. It's time to surrender. It's time to invite the Holy Spirit into your life. It's time. We live in a day and age that you cannot make it without this supernatural power of the Holy Spirit giving you clarity. You, you will not be able to lead your children without the courage that Peter had. You will not be able to meet in a school board and speak the truth of God's word without the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. You will not be able to do what God's called you to do, whatever that is, without the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, we are in a day and age that we must have the overflowing unction and flow and, and the work of the Spirit in our, in our midst. It's not about working for it, it's just about inviting it into our lives. And I would encourage you today, surrender those things. Surrender your life. Surrender your home. Surrender your finances. Surrender. Ask the Holy Spirit. And it is in those who surrender will be found those who walk by the supernatural. We need the gifts that we have in this room. Gifts of clarity, wisdom, words of, words of prophecy. We, we need it. It is real. It's for today. There is a belief that said, no, that was only for a season, only for a time. The Bible is sufficient. I believe the Bible is sufficient, but the Bible does not say it was only for a season or a time. It's for today. That's why the New Testament church was encouraged to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. That's what it says. So friends, let's say yes to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's all stand to our feet today. I lied to you. I went longer. Mom's so sorry. I broke one of the Ten Commandments. That's too bad, man. That's wow. Thank God for the grace of God. Amen, right? I'm... Friends, just lift your hands to the Lord. If that's your prayer today, if that's your prayer today, just say, Holy Spirit, I give you control. Tell him again, Holy Spirit, I give you control. I don't want to live by the flesh anymore. Let's all pray that together. I don't want to live by the flesh anymore. I want to walk in step with the Spirit. I give you my life today. I give you all that I am. Move supernaturally in my life. Stir up the gifts that you have for me. Give me the greatest adventure I ever have had. Anoint my life. And may I be a witness to you and an encouragement to my church. In Jesus' name. Just remain with your heads bowed just for a moment, just for a moment. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus and you're here and you recognize you don't know him and you want to receive him today because he's knocking on the door of your heart, I want you just to raise your hand right where you are, right where you are. Thank you. God bless you. Bless you. Just hold it up high. Nobody's looking around. Don't let this moment slip. 
You need it. God bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I'm going to lead you into prayer. And we're going to pray with you. So today, everybody, let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you died for my sins. Come and cleanse me today. Thank you for rising from the dead. I give you all of my life. I receive your spirit. And from this moment forward, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. In Jesus' name, the church says, amen and amen. Let's go.